Well, this is Ed Stetzer Live, and welcome uh, this and every Saturday at this time. From coast to coast, we talk with guests who have hopefully good things to tell us and ways to encourage us as well. And this is what we're going to do today. My name is Ed Stetzer. I'm the dean of the Talbot School of Theology at Biola University. And uh, and today, my guests are actually uh, co-authored a book together. I think both of them have actually been on the show different times, but never together. So so the guests are, we have a new book. Their book is called You Are a Theologian, An Invitation to Know and Love God Well by J.T. English and Jen Wilkin. Now, um, now, if you don't know those names, um, let me introduce them to you. But I think they'll be helpful. I want you to read lots of what they've written. Uh, first, in April of 2020, J.T. English became the lead pastor of Storyline Church. He's the author of Deep Discipleship, How the Local Church Can Make Whole Disciples. And you are a theologian, uh, Invitation to Know and Love God Well, co-author with Jen Wilkin. He's the co-founder of Training the Church and the co-host of Knowing Faith Podcast. And I think he was on the show talking about the, the book Deep Discipleship. Uh, Jen Wilkin is an author and Bible teacher from Dallas, Texas. She's organized and led studies for women in the home, church, and parachurch contexts. Uh, Jen's passion to see others become articulate and committed followers of Christ with a clear understanding of why they believe is all grounded in the Word of God. So super thankful to have both of them here today. We, we do have some copies of the book we're going to give away to wonderful, brilliant, and articulate callers. It's not call up and kind of get a book. It's ask a question, make a comment, and then I'll uh, we do get to share some of those. So that's kind of fun uh, as well. Uh, they have actually both been uh, well, you know, well known in some of these spaces, and so I'm excited to have a conversation uh, with them today. So, uh, so just kind of starting off, I guess, in the order of the authors, we'll start out by throwing a question to JT. You know, kind of an often question we ask somebody. You know, you know, why do you write this book? Now, JT, a little bit of background. So, I was recently on. You know, I just started this job at Biola. And they had me on, Viola has this podcast, you know, this Thinking Biblically podcast that I was on. And, and the, you know, they started talking to me about being a theologian. And same thing happened. I was on this Resilient Pastor podcast and they talked about being a theologian. And I kept saying, I kept correcting them, well, no, I'm not a theologian. I'm a missiologist. Because in, in, in the academic discipline, that's a different discipline. But your book convinced me that I am a theologian. And that we, I mean, I sort of knew that. But, but why, because when we think of theologians... We think of people who are academically disciplined in this field. You're making a very different, and I find very persuasive case. Tell us about it, JT English. Yeah, well, again, thanks for having us on, Ed. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. I mean, so just to uh, the simple answer is I wrote this book because I wish somebody uh, would have handed me a book like this by Jen and I, uh, you know, 20 years ago. So I didn't grow up in the church. I grew up in a post-Christian uh, kind of postmodern context, and I came to faith in college. And after I came to faith, I really started asking some people around me, how can I grow? How can I learn? How can I understand scripture and the basics of the faith? And one of them handed me a 450-page book. Uh, and that is not an introduction to the faith. That's like the, the magnum opus of the faith. I just wanted something simple, something I could, as a new Christian, kind of put my hands around, get my mind around a little bit. And so uh, that's what this book is. It's really an introduction to the Christian faith. You know, so so many times we we think, uh, you know, you working in an academic context and me having a little bit of an academic background, there is an enormous gap between the academy uh, and where the academy is and the conversation the academy is having and just where regular average everyday Christians are. And that's where I was. And so I felt like that gap was too big. So I actually went to my pastor and said, how do I grow? And he said, well, you need to go to seminary. And, and so the fact that I had to leave my local church context in order to become a leader of the local church was something I never quite understood either. And so this is a book that we said, you know, every single Christian should have access to the basic truths of the faith. They shouldn't have to read a 450 page book. They shouldn't have to go to seminary and pay, you know, lots of money 
though we love seminaries and we love big books, we wanted to make sure that theology was accessible to everybody. I love it. I love it. And, and it's, it's interesting because we, uh, Eric Geiger and I, were serving at Mariner's Church and uh, Irvine, and we're actually doing this fall, we're doing a series on systematic theology, just taking everyone, it's called Deep Dive Theology and the Mission of God. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> and uh, we're going through that together. And we'll have, we'll have a thousand plus people come who want to go through a systematic theology uh, throughout the fall, over eight weeks with mm-hmm. us. And it's, it's because I think we may, maybe we need to remind one another that theology is not a discipline for the academy. It's a discipline for the Christian. Now, I said a minute ago that we were going to go in the order, order of the author, which is why it's listed on Amazon. But when you look at the picture, Jen Wilkins actually listed first, which is rightfully so, because I don't want to hurt your feelings, um, JT English, but I have, we have more Jen Wilkins stuff at our house because I just packed and moved than we do JT English stuff. So, Jen, let me go to you and talk a little bit about this. So, I mean, when you seek to call people to be theologians, maybe little theologians, middle-sized theologians, big theologians, but everyone sort of to be a theologian, what would it look like for the listener here on Ed Stetcher Live to be the kind of theologian that you're calling them to be? Yeah, well, as we, the point that we make in the book is that you are one whether you know you are or not. Uh, right. It's just a question of whether you're a good one. And um, so I think that often, you know, you know, Ed, that a lot of my influence has been in all female spaces. And so um, in particular, I feel a burden for women to recognize that their faith is more than just a feeling, that um, it involves thinking and thinking well about the things of God. But um, then JT and I would say from our experience as local church practitioners that it's obviously it's not just a, uh, an issue for women, it's an issue for all of us. And repeatedly, we find that there are people who have been in the church for years who have not been given just a, a sense of what the, the basic beliefs are of the Christian faith. Um, you know, that's what the surveys are showing us, is that people who identify as evangelical Christians um, in increasing numbers would report that Jesus was uh, a teacher and a good person, but was not God. Uh, so so I think that calling the average learner, and that's not a pejorative term for us at all, it's what most of us are, calling the average learner to have um, a historic understanding of the Christian faith is something that matters. It matters in the local church. It matters in your home group. It matters um, when you're having women's Bible study or men's Bible study, uh, that we be able to know what are the lenses through which we should understand what we're reading in Scripture, lenses that have been given to us from, um, from previous generations who've thought well about these things. Yeah, yeah. And I like how the, the book is framed as well. It's, it's kind of framed as a systematic theology of sorts. You know, what, uh, you know, what is God like? What is the Bible? Where, you know, who are we? What went wrong? Um, it kind of frames, sometimes people refer to something as a biblical worldview, which I actually think is a, or a Christian worldview, which I'm actually of those who think that's a helpful framing. So JT, I mean, you're, you're seem to be laying out a big picture and then sort of drawing people into the deeper theology that's there. Uh, why, why that direction? Why, why that structure in the book? You know, we really feel like whether, like Jen, I think just helpfully pointed out, everybody's a theologian. Also, everybody has questions about who God is and what he's like and who they are. And we all know that something's gone wrong in the world. We all know that somehow God is making things right, or at least hopefully he's making things right, and that we're called to a greater purpose. And ultimately that all of our lives are pointed towards something. And so I think sometimes systematic theology, though, that's a very helpful category. I'm, I'm, I, I am a systematic theologian by trade. And I think that 
the term systematic theology can be helpful, but ultimately, if you've never heard that term systematic theology, you just need to understand it really is a, an attempt of answering some of these most important questions in life that I just highlighted and the book tries to highlight is, who is God? Like, how does the Bible, Scripture, and His revelation describe who God is and and what He's like and, and, and who we are? And answering those questions are some of the most fundamental things that not just Christians are trying to do, but that everybody's trying to do. And, and really at the foundation of this book is the belief that all theology is meant to be a mirror or a reflection of Scripture, that God has actually described himself and what he's doing in the world and how we are to understand him and relate to him and enjoy him. And so, uh, you know, sometimes when you just say doctrine of God or doctrine of humanity, you're not really that, that intrigued. Like, why am I supposed to know that? And should that matter to me? And isn't that, like we've already said, kind of only for the academics or intellectuals until you realize that even my son just three nights ago was asking me this question. He said, hey, dad, we sing this song at church and uh, I'm having a hard time understanding how if Jesus has already won, why is there still brokenness in the world? Like an eight-year-old is asking one of the questions that we highlight in the book, what went wrong? And so we want to make sure that theology is ultimately an attempt to help people grapple with and go to scripture. Like we we want this book to be read, but more importantly, we hope this book is read with a copy of the Bible open right next to it. Just beginning to ask these questions, who's God? What's he like? What went wrong? What's he doing? And, and ultimately, where's all of human history going? Yeah, I think I think one of the challenges is over the last few decades that the church sort of said, well, you know, we maybe we spent, you know, let's go back 50 years ago, maybe we spent too much time on doctrine and now we help, need to help people live practically. And and again, I actually think that there's some value to helping people live practically. But in a sense, I think doctrinally, a lot of people are a far way off from where their grandparents or their great grandparents would have been if they were Christians. And, uh, you know, Jen, you were kind of citing the, the, the survey. It was 2022 State of Theology Survey. Uh, conducted by Lifeway Research and Ligonier Ministries. It warms my heart because I was there in 2016 when we started this every few year survey and worked really a lot with the wonderful folks at Ligonier. And, you know, some of the things, for example, um, you know, 43% of people who identify as self, uh, identify as evangelicals, um, said Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. I mean, that that's 43%. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty stunning gap between theological understanding um, and biblical truth. 48% of evangelicals agree that God learns and adapts to different circumstances rather than he is immutable and unchangeable and more. Uh, we're going to continue our conversation with your calls as well. I want to invite you to call in 877-548-3675. Maybe you've got a story about how you've tried to grow as a theologian or questions about being more theologically grounded. 877-548-3675. We're going to continue our conversation with JT English and Jen Wilkin in just a moment. Hey, we're back. Ed Stetzer are live, continuing our conversation with Jen Wilkin and JT English. Uh, Jen, you were actually on the podcast, uh, the Stetzer Church Leaders podcast, in the fall, last fall, and we talked some about uh, engaging the Bible, why people read the Bible, why people don't read the Bible. Mm -hmm. You have 10 words to live by, uh, delighting in and doing what God commands, and and others, women of the Word, how to study the Bible uh, with our both our hearts and our minds. And, and I'm interested to people, when they hear theology, or maybe even the word doctrine, people often think of, uh, I don't know, doctrines of man, to use a phrase that's sometimes used. And, um, and, and they might think, well, why don't I just stay to the Bible? I don't need to know theology or doctrine. 
Uh, I, I want you in just a moment to help us see how those are connected, because that's a pretty key theme in the book. I want to invite again our callers, though. 877-548-3675 is our number. Again, it's 877-548-3675. So again, back to my, my kind of my question. So because I'll have often people say, well, you know, doctrines and theology, that's what divides and that's what creates denominations and we don't get along. We just all stuck to the Bible. What's the relationship between the Bible and theology as you explain it in the book? Yeah, I think one of the simplest ways to think about it is um, as organizer bins. This is an oversimplification, but in the same way that you might take items in your pantry and place them in bins according to category, that's a lot of what the work of theology and what doctrines are doing for us. They're taking what the Bible says and they are systematizing it. And so um, it's a way, There, another good analogy is lenses. It's a way that we think about what the Bible is saying in light of what all of the Bible teaches. And so, you know, most of the time what I'm doing is I'm teaching line by line through entire books of the Bible, and I'm introducing doctrines as they're introduced in a book of the Bible. And systematic theology is kind of going at things from the opposite direction. It's it's giving you the big ideas and then connecting them back to where they can be found in Scripture. And so we need both. We need both. Um, I know people will say, all I need is my Bible and the Holy Spirit, and I'm good. Um, but that's also uh, to overlook the great gift of 2,000 years of, of good thought, uh, at prayerful good um, um, spirit-empowered thought that has gone into how to think about the deep truths of God. And that's the gift that doctrine is to us. And I think we live in a funny day and age to be saying that it's doctrine that's dividing the church, when the church, in fact, in our day and age, is more often dividing over ideological issues, um, or at best, secondary or tertiary issues of, um, of doctrine. So, you know, and then we're finding in the survey results you were reading even just before the break that the, the misunderstandings that we have around doctrine are of a first order level. I remember um, early on in my relationship, uh, my professional relationship with JT, when he said, I'm concerned that we have church members who know where they stand on um, infant baptism but have no idea about the Trinity. And, you know, we have Trinitarian heretics. Uh, and so uh, those are the kinds of issues, I think, that are besetting the church today. We've had the luxury of assuming that we're all on the same page. And as we see that um, begin to diminish, we're, we're turning against one another. Uh, and, and we don't have we don't have sound grasp on just the basics of what it means to call yourself a Christian. Yeah, no question. And and, and again, we look back, historically, you know, Christians have uh, have strived, have really sought to lay down some of these doctrines, your idea of bins. So think in terms of, if you follow on Jen's picture, um, you know, what does the Bible say about so-and-so? And you kind of go throughout the scripture and you put those into that bin and that creates a view of that together. That makes a difference. Okay. So JT, you know, what are some misconceptions about theology? And I want you to specifically uh, kind of explain how the book addresses some of those. Let me remind everybody, the name of the book is You Are a Theologian, an invitation to know God and love God well. So misconceptions, and how does the book address those, JT? Yeah, thanks. I think that was one of the main hurdles I had to overcome, even in going to seminary. I remember showing up, showing up at my first class thinking, I'm not sure this is for me. Like, I just want to be a faithful Christian who understands and relates to God rightly. And so some of the um, 
misconceptions that we address in the book. The first one really applied to me is that theology is for academics. Uh, here, here I've written a book, but people need to understand, I don't even consider myself an academic. I got into like the third level state school on probation. I just wanted to know who God was. And so uh, if you think that theology is for academics, it's not for you. It's not just for people who know how to write footnotes or, or want to read 10 books. It really is Not that there's anything wrong with academics who <laughs> like footnotes, it says yeah, the dean no, no, at no, the Talbot School of Theology. Yeah, no, theology is <laughs> great. We are academic. I mean, I, I would not have a grasp of who God is without the academy. I'm profoundly grateful for it. Sure. We just want to say it's not only for the academy. Or another one might be, and Jen just kind of highlighted this one, is that theology is impractical. This is one of the big ones that we used to get when Jen and I were working together is, does this really relate to how I parent my kids or relate to my spouse or, or do my job? And uh, the, the word theology, we haven't even really defined it yet. It's just two basic words from Greek, theos and logos, meaning that uh, the Greek word theos meaning God and logos meaning words, just, just words about God. And I used to say when we, Jen and I were working together, if somebody could tell me something more practical than words about God, then I would quit my job and go do that. We, we want theology to be seen as as is inherently practical. This helps you in every role, vocation, and relationship that you have. Another one that we highlight in the book is that theology is heartless, and this is one that we find primarily in the church, is that theology is going to be something, like I had somebody say to me before I went to seminary, they said, you, you better be careful to not lose your love for God. And it really struck me because I thought, isn't theology supposed to encourage and empower and really inflame a deeper love for God? We know that doesn't always happen, but it's meant to. Ultimately, theology, words about God, and doxology, the worship of God, are meant to be two sides of the same coin. You'll never learn something about God that doesn't really kind of uh, inflame a deeper and greater love for God. So if maybe you're listening to this, you're thinking, I I'm not a theologian because I'm not, not an academic, or I'm not a theologian because I just want things to be practical and pragmatic, or I, I really don't want to lose a love for God, then we want to encourage you that theology— is for you. You really can step in. You don't have to be an academic. You don't have to be concerned about losing a love for God. We really think that this is going to fuel a greater love and knowledge of Jesus and help you follow him in all aspects of your life. Love it. Love it. We've got a, some calls. Let's first go to James in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. James, I have to tell you, I was just, I did an interview yesterday with Benjamin Watson, who's a pro football player. I know nothing about sports ball. And I, he won the Bart Starr Award. So I recounted to him my one college football experience was in your town, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, where, where Tom Rainer made me go to a football game with the University of Alabama. And I met Bart Starr. And I didn't know who he was, and I shook his hand, and I said, oh, what do you do, Mr. Starr? And he said he owns some car dealerships. And to this day, the entire crew that I used to work with, Lifeway, makes fun of me that when I was in your town. That's like that's like a traumatic memory for me. But, James, you don't want to hear my stories, so I want to hear your question <laughs> or your comment. James, go ahead, from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Well, uh, thank you very much, and uh, and uh, appreciate that about Bart Starr, he was a he was a fine man. He did a lot for the community that a lot yep. of people don't know about, but he was a fine man. Yep. Uh, I haven't heard all of the conversation because I've been in some dead spots, but I'm just wondering, it seems like this is maybe to make the church more aware of doctrine, and but I'm wondering, too, about the pastors. What can we do maybe as members to enlighten them to the fact that a lot of people are they're really crying out with their hearts 
to understand doctrine more and how it applies to their lives. But I think a lot of pastors are hesitant to approach some of these issues because they think it's going to be dry and dull and boring. But people are really wanting something they can hang on to. And so I'm just wondering, what can we do to maybe encourage them or enlighten them in this regard? I think it's a great question, James. I want you to hold on the line because we're going to give you a copy of the book, You Are a Theologian, An Invitation to Know and Love God. Well, my producer, Karen Hendren, will jump on after you hear the answer. Jen, uh, I wish your pastor would preach more theology, but talk to me a little <laughs> bit about how we can encourage people. To, we know, anyway, friends, just anyway. So how can how can church people encourage pastors to teach and preach more theology? You know, I think there is the concern that it'll be dull and boring, but I think that there's also um, just the thought that maybe it's not really a problem at my church. Hmm. I know that that was something that uh, we ran into. We do have really great preaching at my church, and so it was kind of like, well, surely that's not an issue here. Uh, and then when you start to, um, you know, you could do a survey, um, just, hey, uh, take this this brief survey about what you do and don't know. And pretty quickly it will emerge that what's showing up in like the survey that Lifeway and Ligonier did is very much alive and real in your own church. And then, you know, I think that if you think about any good teaching that has stuck with you through the years, um, it stuck with you because the person who was teaching it to you obviously, evidently loved uh, what they were teaching. And so, you know, I had the luxury of having JT at my church who absolutely loved teaching these things to the average church member. And so um, I think it's finding someone in your church, whether it's the pastor or someone else who's gifted to teach, who says, yeah, I really care about this and I want to sit down. And so much of this is having a conversation around a book like the one that JT and I written, that's one of our big hopes is that, you know, you can sit in a group and, and have a discussion about what you're learning. And the person in the group who is a little further along uh, on the path than the others can, can help lead that discussion and pull people forward into greater understanding. Um, I think in, we have a bigger issue. It's not just that people think doctrine is boring. It's that people think learning is unspiritual. And so that's a big part of the shift in the local church is to show that learning is actually deeply, as JT has said, uh, doxological. It leads to worship if it's, if it's learning that's oriented toward um, loving God more, not just simply gaining more knowledge. So there is something to be said for saying, who's the person in my local church who loves this and, and wants to advocate for it? And maybe it's the pastor, maybe it's a lay leader. Um, but the reason that we're drawn to learn from someone is because we see their evident love of what they're teaching. So it's finding that person and getting them in position to pass along the good deposit. Nice. I like that. Um, and I want to come back to you too, JT, because um, one of the questions, like I like I had someone come to me years ago at a church and said, you know, I want to learn more theology. And I got to tell you, that is something that just warms the heart of the pastor. They certainly did mm -hmm. for me. And and But we didn't, and we had, you know, our Bible studies, we had our small groups, but they really wanted to kind of go deeper, but probably not seminary at that point for them. So I don't know which 450-page systematic theology you gave. I actually looked it up because I gave them uh, Wayne Grudem's systematic theology, and it's uh, it's over 1,000 pages. So you must not have given them that one, but I didn't even know that's 1,296 pages is that, that Zondervan one from 94. But we actually read it together, and I, I just think I've kind of, as a pastor, I wanted to be committed to whatever deeper depth someone in my church wanted to go theologically. I wanted to serve them and equip them and more. Now, what you're doing, if I understand correctly, is you're, I mean, the book is very much, it is a systematic theology, but at a much more accessible level. And I wish I had that when 
when that 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 time when that, that gentleman actually approached me i would have said here's here's a good next step instead we took a very 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 big step and you know today i might share michael bird's evangelical theology there's great resources that are mm-hmm. out there for that level so so why this i mean i know how publishing works i know you sat down with the publisher and said we want it we want it this far but not this far you're looking for a certain spot mm-hmm. for people to read Tell me what that where, where that spot is for you because it's not again it's not twelve hundred pages like Grudem's systematic theology or, or Bird's you know evangelical theology. So where is that that window you're going for? Yeah, I think that's that is exactly this question is why we wrote this book yeah. is it feels like the jump from I'd like to learn more to I now have to go to seminary is such a big jump or I'd like to learn more and you have to be able to have a very high literacy rate. Uh, to be able to read a book like mm-hmm. this, and that just wasn't me at the time, and it felt it almost made the gospel feel inaccessible to me, or God feel inaccessible to me. I have to have a certain amount of money, or I have to have a certain literacy level in order to learn more things. And so, fortunately, I was able to kind of grapple some money together, and and you know, scrap and claw. And my wife was able to get a job, and I just kind of grinded through. And I'm, I'm grateful for that experience. But that's why we wrote this book, is we wanted to make that jump feel a lot less uh, dangerous or a lot less risky for people because there's lots of people who just don't either have the money or don't have the ability to, to read a book that long. And so that's why this book exists is to try to make theology accessible to everybody. We also wanted to write this book, not from a, I mean, certainly Jen and I have certain convictions uh, around secondary or third tier issues, and those might bleed into the book a little bit. But so often in evangelical theology right now, we find ourselves talking about second tier issues or third tier issues first, before those first tier issues. And Jen highlighted that a little bit. And that's what some of those bigger books uh, have the freedom to do. If you can write a thousand pages, you got to fill those pages up. And we really said, you know, we want to just write a book that Orthodox Christians, evangelical Christians, can enjoy and read around the basics of the faith. And so, uh, yeah, that's that's why this book exists, is if you feel like that's a big jump, it doesn't have to be as big. You can stay in your local church, read accessible books like this, and learn to know and love God well. Love that. Remind you, actually, JT has a PhD in systematic theology, so I love that we kind of, you know, kind of find that space for the thoughtful Christian reader like you can engage in that as well. Our phone number, I want to invite you to call in is 877-548-3675. We're going to continue with Ed Stetzer Live in just a moment. Hey, Rack, our guests, Jen Wilkin, JT English, their book, You Are a Theologian, an invitation to know and love God well. They did not ask me to endorse this book, or I would have. I just want you to know I like the book, so I'm endorsing it right now. Not that they, you know, they had plenty of good endorsements, I'm sure. Um, okay, so so uh, the the book for me really, and I, I, just before the break, I, I mentioned like this is a place for, and you know, in kind of the book marketing world, we talk about sometimes things are geared towards pastors, and I think pastors could read this find it helpful, but it's more geared towards thoughtful Christians. I want to know more. I want to be more grounded theologically as well. Just so you are kind of aware of the general outline, it, it, it kind of runs with some questions, and then those questions are discusses theological things like the doctrine of who we are as humans and the doctrine of sin and, 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 and Christology and atonement, justification. Big words, yes, but they are explained, and I think they're really essential to understand the nature of the Christian story uh, itself. But one of the questions we have actually comes from Greg in Bloomfield Hills. Is that Minnesota or Michigan? I think it's Michigan. And uh, and he's going to talk a little bit about how it connects to life. So, Greg, you're live on the air. What's your question or your comment? Go right ahead. Hey, so, so 
Thanks for call- taking my call. Um, I came in the middle of the conversation, so I was uh, asking one quick question and then a follow-up. First question is, uh, how are they defining theology and doctrine? Uh, and we'll go ahead give both of the give, give both of the questions. A, give us both the questions now, and then we'll then we'll have them answer both. So good. Okay. How do they define theology and doctrine? Okay, and what's the other one? That's that's that, that's fine. I mean, uh, um, are, they, are they using theology as a study of religion or as a as a study of God or kind of both? Doctrine, um, you know, how are they defining that? Then the second question is, uh, which would they use? more in the practical application to life, as you guys were talking about earlier, you know, actually uh, applying practicality to daily living uh, as a Christian. Yep. Okay, let's jump into both of them, Craig. Good question. So hold on also, too, because I'm going to have, after the answer, I'm going to have Karen jump on and share a copy of the book with you. Again, the book is called You Are a Theologian, An Invitation to Know and Love God Well. So kind of a two-parter from Greg in Michigan. Uh, you know, part one, again, maybe because you, you described a little bit even the words theology, and one of the things with, with radio, people kind of listen parts and miss parts. But relate theology to doctrine, and then let's ask about how it applies to life. So, Jen, why don't we start with you first, since JT already mentioned, you know, the theo and logos. Uh, how is theology and doctrine related uh, to start with there? What do you think? I actually think JT would be good at answering this okay, question. Let's JT, throw it over you to JT. Give it a shot? Yep, I love Jen, yeah, I love how Jen just took over my show and redirected it to JT. <laughs> I like it. I like it. JT, more, tell us. The more us. you get to know Jen, you realize she's just taking stuff over. So Exactly, that's exactly. Good. That's how she rolls. <laughs> yeah, hey, no, thanks for that question. And, and really, I do think it's important to highlight that theology and doctrine are antonyms. In other words, they're not the words that mean different things. They're very, very similar. Sometimes theology can be used to describe the broader things of the Christian faith, like we highlight here, things like... What do we believe about God or what do we believe about humanity? And doctrine can sometimes be used to talk about secondary issues, but really that's not how we're using the terms in the book. We would largely say these two words uh, are, are synonyms, that there is a, a theology, a broad Christian theology that helps us answer basic questions like who is God? What is he like? Who are we? What's going wrong in the world? How is God making it right? And ultimately, where is God moving history towards his purposes and for his glory? So we would view theology and doctrine, at least in the way we're using those terms in the book, as as very, very, very similar terms, as as synonyms in a sense. And really, as it relates, I think, to the second question is, is we want it to be practical. So one of the things that we did in the book is we didn't just give content. You know, theology is not meant to be done in isolation or just as individuals. It's meant to be done in community. Jen and I are not the end-all, be-all theologians, and we're well aware of that. Ultimately, we want to point you to good content and to Scripture and ultimately have you draw theological and biblical conclusions yourself. So every single chapter ends with discussion questions. So if you're a Sunday school teacher or a pastor, or maybe you lead a home group or are in a home group, we think this would be a great content for you to go through together because we wanted it to be wrestled with and discussed in the context of of a home group or a missional community or whatever you might call them in your in your Christian community. It's just a, a place where you can do this together so that you can begin to apply these true things about who God is and who you are to everyday living, whether that's, again, we've said this earlier, relationships or vocation uh, or or a, a spouse or to a sibling, just something, we wanted it to be something that, okay, so if God is holy or if God is good, what does that mean for my life? Or if I am a sinner, how do I become right with God and how do I apply my relationship with Jesus to every single thing that I do? Yeah, and I, I think uh, when you think in terms of theological categories, like 
like the doctrine of Christology, who, who Christ is, it does shape ultimately how I approach my daily life. I, when I combine that with the doctrine of God's perfection and who he is and his character, and I, I combine that with the doctrine of sin, I, I live differently because of that. But that was a super question, Greg, and so we're going to make sure that you get a copy uh, of the book. Again, the book is You Are a Theologian, an Invitation to Know and Love God Well. Um, tell me a little bit, Jen, about when, you, in the writing, when you're writing the book, um, you, you have to make certain decisions of what to include and what not to clu- include. You've already said that you didn't include second and third tier issues. So just as people know, we think of first tier issues as, you know, the nature of God, the authority of Scripture. Second tier issues tend to be things that put us in different denominations. I, I call them essential doctrines, and then there are convictional doctrines. It's not that you don't hold them as convictions, but some denominations baptize babies. Essentials, you must hold these to be, I mean, a Christian, to be orthodox. And there are convictions that, well, maybe we might differ, disagree. I think my Presbyterian friends, I don't hold the same thing as my Anglican friends do about baptizing babies, but I, I think they're followers of Jesus and they love God and they love the Word. We just differ on those things. How did you sort of decide, Jen, about what would be the areas of focus that are here? And maybe tell us a few of them and how you decided that those were the ones that were, were, were rose to the level of the book. Yeah, well, the beauty of it is we didn't really have to make that decision. Those decisions are are pretty firmly uh, in place in our historical um, beliefs. And so if you grew up in a church that says the Apostles' creeds, Creed, you might recognize by reading through our table of contents that a lot of what we're doing is just walking through exactly what the Apostles' Creed is affirming all Christians believe. So um, JT and I have talked a lot about how what we are doing is not... Uh, coming up with new things. We're, we're trying to reclaim old things recently forgotten and give them to the current day church. And I would say that this book is certainly um, that in, in real time. So um, we start with who is God, and then we move on to who are human beings, why are we here? It goes all the way through to uh, to last things, like what what's going to happen um, in the end? How, do, how does God um, bring all things um, to their conclusion. And so it's not it's not new information. We hope that it's or it's not a new selection of primary beliefs. It's the ones that have been around for forever that that seem to be recently forgotten. We believe that um, framing the book in that way is important because uh, it's of great commission significance. Uh, we're supposed to teach others to observe all that Jesus has commanded, and we can't transmit a faith that we ourselves have not received. And in our working in the local church, we began to see with increasing certainty that the historic truths of the Christian faith were not being transmitted from one generation to the next um, with clarity. And so um, secondary and third level issues are anything that um, that is not essential to being called a Christian, they don't. Orthodoxy is not on the line if you if you believe differently on them. Doesn't mean that you won't feel deeply your reasons for believing them. But um, in our interest in dealing with secondary and tertiary issues, things like what kind of music should we sing, or um, should you have uh, the lights up high or down low? You know, those are all like third level things. But those are the things that a lot of people are fighting about, mm-hmm. um, and and we believe that we should be fighting together for the things that unite us. And and in particular, as we're heading into an increasingly post-Christian culture. 
churches that have deep differences uh, along secondary and third level issues will need to have clear vision for how they can be in unity with other churches around essential beliefs because um, it's just going to be, I believe, a very clarifying time for us in the next 20 or 30 years. Yeah, for sure. And I think I think us walking together with those who hold those essentials, I just came back from a big meeting of 6,000 Pentecostals in Amsterdam. So thankful that they hold those essentials. And next week I'll be with a group that used to be called the Egli Amish, the Defenseless Mennonites, and now the Fellowship of Evangelical Churches who hold those essentials. So, I mean, that's the kind of the distinction that's there. There's a, there's a phrase, we'll go a little fun for theology nerds for just a moment, something called the Vincentian Canon. And it's years and years ago, uh, the Vincentian Canon would say, this is what has been believed everywhere, always, and by all. And and the challenge is, it's believed everywhere, always, and by all, but not really known like it used to be. So, so again, to remind everybody, uh, we're walking through this conversation with J.T. English and Jen Wilkin. The book is You Are a Theologian, An Invitation to Know God and Love God Well. It's not just a book like inviting you, but it's actually walking with you through the process of doing that as well. And I think that's the thing I want you to see and get a picture of these things as well. So let's go to John in Miami. John in Miami, you are live on the air with your question, your comment. Go right ahead. Yeah, I'm just wondering uh, what I, I, I kind of didn't hear. I heard some tidbit of things just before me about the, the secondary and the primary. That's okay. Just jump right into your question, John. Don't worry about that. Go ahead. Uh, okay. Well, this kind of relates to it, what I'm saying. Uh, I have what what like you say, there's different uh, uh, doctrines or different theological points, like, uh, let's say, the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's others that, you know, that, uh, that I don't know if they're primary or secondary, but they get into, uh, when people start pushing one or the other, it kind of gets a little, there's other ones that I can think of, but I, I, I don't, I know I'm trying to save time. You know, I don't want to go no, no, but too that's, no, no, but that's a good, that's a good one. You, you, I think you've laid out a helpful distinction. Like, like there are people, you know, everyone always everywhere should believe that salvation is by grace, grace alone through faith alone. But what about uh, Calvinists and Arminians? What about free will? Uh, those kinds of things. A good question, John. So hold on the line. We're going to give you a copy of the book, You Are a Theologian, An Invitation to Know and Love God Well. So so here's where, um, and I guess for JT, here's where some of these things sort of do bubble up. You, The three of us on the, on the show right now all probably have similar theological views on some of these issues like the sovereignty of God and the free will of man, I think. Um, but there are Christians who are Orthodox Christians who hold varying beliefs how do you address those, and and how do you dis- not just in the book, but how do you decide what's a first level issue that they're denying an essential of the gospel, and versus you know they may see how the sovereignty of God and free will intertwine differently. JT, do you? Yeah, that's that's a great question, John, and that's something that over my walk with Jesus, I've had to wrestle with too, because I have friends who perhaps disagree with me about some of these issues, and or, or even Jen and I. That's what was kind of fun about writing this book, is this this book really was kind of the practice of what we're talking about here. Jen and I don't agree on every single issue either, so one of the things we, that we, we used to we do— We would like to know, the audience now would like to know which issues you don't agree on, but let's not do that right now. But I do. We might find out later, but keep going. 
Right. Well, she agrees with me on everything now because I convinced her of all things. Oh, I, I can't imagine. <laughs> I think you probably moved more than she moved. But yeah, that's probably true. Uh, no, I mean, theology is meant to be done together. And so one of the things that we talked about at the beginning of this book is that theology is meant to lead us towards greater love of God, but not only greater love of God, but of each other. And so if you read this book, you might find some things you disagree with, but we hope you 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 love, uh, it's going to sound weird to say you love us more, but you would realize JT and Jen are just trying to reflect what scripture says about this and that I can be in dialogue and conversation with them about this. Too often theology leads to us being enemies of each other, and it's not supposed to do that. It's meant to make us greater neighbors and, and, and those who extend charity and love towards one another. So we didn't write this book from a perspective of saying, man, we really hope that everybody who reads this book becomes reformed or everybody becomes a free will Baptist or everybody becomes a, you know, Baptistic. We really tried to, to elevate the book past some of those issues and say, what are the things that you just mentioned, Ed, that we all agree on, that all Christians have agreed upon at all times and everywhere? It, it, it's hard to do that totally throughout the book, but we would just hope if you if you find something that might be a second tier or third tier issue that you disagree with us on, I mean, that's, that's where theology happens, where we prayerfully and lovingly engage with one another in conversation rather than kind of taking our ball, going home, and no longer having dialogue with one another, which is too often what theology can produce in the life of local churches and Christians. Yeah, so I'm interested how you, let, I mean, let's just press in a little bit on how you kind of address John's question in just a minute. We'll come back and continue this conversation as 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 well. Take your calls. We've got one more segment for calls, so this is your time to give us a buzz, 877-548-3675. You can call it Ancestral Live, join JT English, Jen Wilkin, talking about you are a theologian, an invitation to know and love God well, 877-548-3675. We're going to hit right with your calls when we come back. Thanks for listening. Hey, we're back. It's Stetzer Live. We're talking to J.T. English and Jen Wilkin about their new and I think important book, You're a Theologian, An Invitation to Know and Love God Well. Um, as you know, just something that I'm passionate about is really helping to ground people theologically uh, really makes a difference. So JT, just to finish up the question there from, I think it was John. So how did you deal with the issues of free will? Because you got a whole section on sin and humanity, so you got to have addressed it at some level. Yeah, we did. We did address it. So Jen and I, I think, convictionally, are both probably a bit more towards the Reformed camp, and so we believe that salvation is from God from beginning to end, and whether that's uh, offering us the gift of grace in Christ or offering us faith through the Holy Spirit and making us become new through a new birth, but we didn't try to over-torque it. it, it we're, we're, we believe in the sovereignty of God, but we're not angry about it. And so we believe that this could be read really by anybody. And, and again, if there's small sentences or, or points of disagreement, then we would love to have dialogue and conversation or, or for your home group to say, man, I, we want to interact with this charitably. And what we hope uh, that would do for you is send you back to the scriptures, not just back to your theological viewpoint, but send you back to the Bible. Let's we Jen and I will both be thrilled if more conversations are had about what the Bible says and less about conversations about what our book says. If our book can serve as a springboard to us engaging and dialoguing and studying and exegeting the scripture in deeper ways, then both of us are going to be thrilled. Good, good, good. Okay, we're going to go to some calls, but we, we've only got a few minutes left, so I want to encourage our callers to just jump right in with the question, and then we'll jump right to the answer. And so we're first going to go to Chantel in Marietta, California, listening on K-Wave, I'm guessing. Go ahead, Chantel, you're live on the air. Hi. Um, okay, so I homeschool kids 
from early middle, early elementary, middle school, and high school. I'm just kind of wondering, is this something that you think is adaptable to be teaching in my homeschool? I love the idea that you focus on first, um, first issues and not secondary or third issues and all that jazz. And just to kind of give like a baseline foundation for my kids, um, something that we could read together, but then like how adaptable do you think it would be like to answer questions or to um, not answer questions, but to ask questions to kind of get them engaged and involved in what we are reading. I'm just wondering like what the, I don't know what the structure of the book is. (laughs) Well, let's have, let's have way in super question. Chantel, hold on the line too. We're going to give you a copy of your theologian imitation, know God and love well. So quickly answer the question of the structure of the book, but then I want also, I'll go to you, Jen, the structure of the book, but I also want to talk about why we'd want teenagers and younger children to be learning theology. It's a twofold book and then why it matters. Go ahead. I'm sorry, I missed his question. Can you no worries. It she, she, was, she was asking about uh, can she use this in a homeschool setting and what's yeah. the structure look like? And then I want you to address teaching theology to younger people. Yeah, absolutely. We, we, we're hoping that that's going to happen. Um, and part of, part of my responsibilities in my current role at my church are to oversee our next-gen ministries. And so I, I had that in, in mind, even as we're writing the book. Um, and so I would say, whether it's for homeschool or for a student ministry, you know, we, we try to communicate at an eighth grade reading level, because that is the level at which most people can read. You can assume that most people can read. And so the book should be usable at the high school level, and then even on down to uh, lower levels, assuming that there's a good leader leading the discussion. So in a homeschool setting, obviously, you have a good leader who would be leading the discussion. The book is um, laid out with discussion questions and a prayer reflection exercise at the end of each chapter. Um, JT and I write with a classroom setting in mind, not not strictly speaking a classroom setting, but with the idea that the book would be used in community to have good conversations. And so um, I would think that if there will be people who will read the book, um, and maybe this is the homeschool mom who is going to say, oh, this is um, this is introductory for me. Um, but that's what you want, right? When you you want to first step with someone who hasn't thought about these ideas before. And then the person for whom this is introductory, who has a little further knowledge themselves, the book should be a good bridge for them to um, extend what's being learned um, from what the book introduces. But we're this is not a systematic theology text. This is a an introduction to systematic theology for people who are new to it or for people who perhaps have only gotten bits and pieces of it and have not seen the full picture. Good. JT, we've got about 30, 45 seconds left. I want you to speak to the audience and encouraging them to engage in some theological reading. 30 seconds, go. Yeah, thanks so much. And again, Ed, just thanks for having us on. I just want to encourage you if you're listening to this and you still haven't believed me, and this is for me, I just want you to, in the bottom of your heart, know that we wrote this book so that you could believe that God loves you, He delights in you, He knows you, and He desires that you would reflect upon Him think about upon him enjoy him not just for the purpose of greater study or the purpose of greater uh, intellectual knowledge but ultimately for the purpose of a greater love for him so that you would enjoy him all of your days super conversation today with jt english and jen wilkin good folks i really encourage you to read the book as well get a copy of the book as well so let me thank them for joining us also behind the scenes team here at moody radio my producer karen hendren my engineer courtney young and lynn man in the phones today thanks for the good calls as well Tune in next week when Pastor Andy Bannister will talk to me about how to talk about God among friends or at work in a natural way without feeling out of place or strange. Hear today's message again. Go to edstetzerlive.com. It's on the Moody Radio app. A lot of people subscribe to the 
whole show is a podcast. You can as well. Remember, Ed Stetzer Live is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.